0: Welcome to the Off Street podcast featuring Adam Reiner and Sean Dan. Off Street contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and contains certain forward looking statements of future possibilities that, due to known and unknown risks and other uncertainties and factors, may differ materially from actual results. As such, there is no guarantee that any views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Off Street is presented for informational purposes and nothing contained herein should be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any security or as an offer to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Additionally, this communication contains information arrive from third-party sources. Although we believe these sources to be reliable, we make no representations as to their accuracy or completeness. Adam and Sean are employees of Marshall Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. For additional information about the firm, including its services and fees, send for the firm's disclosure brochure or visit advisorinfo.sec.gov.
1: All right, Sean, it is Tuesday, August 1st, 2.30 in the afternoon. Hard to believe it's the last
0: month of summer. None of September is summer to you. I
1: don't count September. I think once school starts.
0: <laughs> it's over. <laughs> it's over.
1: It's fall. I have school-aged children. So, <laughs> so yeah. That hampers, way, your,
0: hampers your summer ability.
1: We are, we are back in school. That's tough. Summer ends
0: Labor Day. But nothing else. Baseball playoffs and football season. We saw yesterday morning. The people of Philadelphia are ready for football season.
1: Could you imagine waking up? We're not even, you have to wake up before 3.30. Yeah. They got
0: there at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> to wait in a line to buy Kelly Green Eagles jerseys that the Eagles are going to wear two times this season. Adam, the people are pumped. Nothing screams the city of Philadelphia like a retro Eagles jersey.
1: There was an article on 6abc.com that said someone drove up from Maryland, two-hour drive from Maryland, got there at midnight to make sure they were the first person in the line it's hard
0: it's gritty it's hardcore it's what it's what philadelphia (laughs) fans are all about
1: these jerseys were available online by the way i think
0: that's the kicker that's the best part is a lot of other jerseys just readily available (laughs) in most sizes if you just if you just got online i'm sure if you got online yesterday at 9 a.m too you probably could have could have bought them in unison but you didn't you weren't the first one to have it adam
1: i guess i liked your theory though buying the dawkins kelly
0: green Yeah, I feel like that's a safe pick because you never really know. He's a legend. Guys get hurt, guys get traded, but guys who are legends, whose legacies have been cemented, it's a safe play. But presumably skipping work, at least part of the workday on a Monday morning, to go spend $175 on a jersey, it feels like the consumer might be strong.
1: Yeah, consumer strong. I know we had different takes, though, about the Kelly Green jerseys. You really like them. I'm more indifferent. We pulled The Office. 65% 65% of the office likes the Kelly green jerseys. I think it's time to move on from the Kelly greens. The midnight green is an, uh, an underappreciated color with the fan base. That's probably fair.
0: I think the whole nostalgia is a really, really powerful know. force.
1: Nostalgia of what though? They brought losing. They were, they were <laughs> a losing jersey color. Yeah, I, I don't Most know. Most of the franchise's success came with the midnight green color.
0: But you know what paved the way? The Kelly green. I guess we paid our dues with the Kelly Greens. And now it's time. It's it's a it's a redemption tour. The team is it, probably the highest hopes coming into a season in, what, 15-plus years?
1: Probably highest hope since coming off the Super Bowl win.
0: Yeah. And even then, I think there are more question marks than there are this yeah. season. Oh, yeah. We're reloaded, and then some. So, I don't know. I'm ready for the Kelly Greens. If they go 0-2 in the Kelly Greens, I think we just retire them again. That's fine. I'm. I'll make that deal. I'm fine with that.
1: I'm just going to hit you with my stats really quick on, on the jerseys. Let's hear it. And then we'll move on. Okay. So they've been wearing the Midnight Greens for 27 years, three Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win, seven NFC Championship appearances, 10 division wins, finished first in the division 10 times. For the 27 years prior to the Midnight Greens, one Super Bowl appearance, one NFC Championship appearance, won the division twice, had a losing record solidly a winning record with, with the midnight so everyone was most often cited the nostalgic factor of the kelly greens i don't know good good coping i guess good memories of losing
0: <laughs> i don't know i'm ready to give it a chance i'm, I'm ready to give it a shot
1: your shot hey nothing else waking up at 3 30 like you said consumer still strong to do that
0: consumer strong just this past weekend between you and i we were at Concerts, sporting events, movies—everywhere we went, it was packed. People were spending money. Fed met. Federal Reserve met last week. They raised rates, like
1: most had expected, quarter of a percent. In there, as part of the Q&A, Jay Powell said the Federal Reserve no longer forecasting a recession this year, which didn't really feel like it was going out on a limb. Lots of people asking the question. How much longer can the consumer stay strong? Why is the consumer so strong? And we were talking about it, and it feels like a relatively straightforward answer, and that is people are still employed, and employed people will spend money.
0: Yeah, pretty much everyone who wants a job has a job at this point. Uh, You pointed out prime age labor force. It's the largest it's ever been. Almost 107 million people, most ever. Prime
1: age 25 to
0: 54. And at the end of the day, it doesn't take an economics degree to to figure out if everyone who wants a job has a job. And if you have a job, you're probably going to spend. And it just keeps keeps the machine going. So far in in Q2, we've had over half of S&P 500 companies report. 81% have beat estimates. We just got last week the Q2 GDP number, crushed estimates, solidly positive. All, all these people that seem to be recession happy. And so at what point do you give up? I think that labor number is a good case study for how
1: once a narrative enters the that news cycle, there's not a lot of updating that comes along with it. Participation rate's pretty high for those prime age workers that had dipped down during COVID, but it's back up to a little more than 83%, which is the highest since the early 2000s. So I think if you were just to ask the average person, they would tell you it's not that.
0: For the maybe first time in three years, we have a lot to be happy about when it comes to the economy and markets, and we're just we're rejecting it. Just this week, there's been article titles of stocks are doing so well that it may be time to start worrying. Benefit of owning stocks over bonds keeps shrinking. Obviously, the the recession headlines still come. I think it is just that a narrative hangover in, in effect of like we just we're we're so pessimistic that we just can't shake it. With inflation, you know,
1: we read a lot during the day, Sean. You and I. And every once in a while, we'll come across an article that leaves us somewhat puzzled.
0: This one borderline like maddening.
1: And there was a Barron's piece that was titled, Why Falling Inflation is Bad News for the Stock Market. And do you want to give the TLDR version of this article?
0: Yeah, basically, the, the way you phrased it is it was almost like someone came in with the thesis of like, what about the shareholders?
1: Won't someone think of the shareholders? <laughs> won't, won't
0: someone think of the CEOs and the shareholders? And basically, was complaining that since inflation's coming down, businesses more or less can't gouge customers anymore, and their, and their profit margins are going to suffer to some extent. And for, for that reason, we should be sad that inflation's coming down. Yeah, it was, it was a very weird article to read. <laughs> it was It was bizarre. And it's like how quickly we forget all the pain that we experienced last year. Was we agreed we're going to stomach this pain because we understand how bad inflation is and how it affects people in the economy and markets and why we need to get it down. And now that it's starting to come down, we're I guess rooting for inflation again.
1: Yeah, I don't know the point that there were there were some contradictory points within the article about earnings and profit margins. And even last year, one of the areas that economists would point to that said, you know, one of the reasons inflation can fall is we're going to get margin compression, which has happened to a certain extent this year.
0: So everything's working the way it should, not like margins have gone away. It was always going to happen. It was always part of the normalization process. And two, if you listen to Jay's initial comments at almost every press conference, he starts out by saying, we recognize and understand how inflation impacts the end consumer, especially on the lower income spectrum. If you're only making so much money and that amount of the bucket that's going to necessities keeps growing and growing, you can't save for the future. You're in bad shape if emergency ever happens. That is a tangible impact that those people are feeling in a, a great reason why we need to bring inflation down to say, like let's disregard that so companies can keep beating earnings. <laughs> it just... It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I want at some point it just becomes this cycle of if they want to bring inflation back in check,
1: everything is going to cost more for their businesses. They may be able to charge charge more, more revenue, but the two are gonna offset each other to a certain extent as well. Like we saw that a lot last year in 2021, labor costs were going crazy. And that was a, a large gripe of companies during earnings calls that they either couldn't find a labor or they're having to pay too much for labor. And now that things are starting to normalize, like you said, I don't know, I, I missed the point of the,
0: this article. I find one example in history of a country who had sustained high inflation where it turned out well. It, there's just no such thing.
1: Yeah. Per- perhaps the best part of this article is the way it ended. The stock market is more complicated than it looks. Nothing is simple. I mean, could have just left it at that. Yeah, and <laughs> just forget the forget the rest of the article. Just just write that. One of the things that looms on the horizon as we move into fall is that student loans are going to start to be repaid. They had payments had been suspended for a large part of COVID, at least the past couple of years. Interest starts accruing again September first. Payments made in October. There was a Market Watch article quoting economists that they estimated could reduce household spending by nine billion every month, hundred billion in total. For the year, um, they estimate the average monthly repayment for student loans is about $200 a month, um, which doesn't sound like that much. This could be one of those things that um, impacts psychology more than the payment itself.
0: Yeah, the headline's definitely scary. Consumer spending is the gas that drives the engine of the economy, and $100 billion feels like a big number. I think it helps to put it into context of, okay, even if we lose a hundred billion in consumer spend over a full year, US GDP is somewhere in the 23 to 24 trillion range. So even if we feel that full hundred billion, we're talking like tenths of a percentage point difference in GDP. So hopefully not something that would knock us off a cliff. Yeah. Student loans. I mean, you just think
1: of the most the areas of debt held by US households, mortgages, autos, credit cards, student loans being like top four. I'm sure there's others in there, but those would be the, the four. Um, the mortgage mortgage debt held by far the largest $12 trillion of mortgage debt out there. Second is student loans, $1.6 trillion, um, followed by autos, $1.56 and less than, less than a trillion in credit card debt. And I think that might surprise some people.
0: Yeah, it's surprising. And again, big number on the student debt. Also, I think it's good to remember it's, it's not necessarily the, the number that matters as much as debt service cost. So you'd mentioned about $200 a month coming out of Peoples. It's not like the, the we're ending the freeze and all that's going to come due tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Pre-COVID, delinquencies
1: on student loan debt, more than 90 days delinquent, had been averaging probably somewhere around 11%, maybe a little more um, in the years leading up to COVID. fell all the way down to less than 1%. So even an uptick in delinquencies could impact borrowing across other areas of the economy. Um housing, thinking of housing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, probably those prime age workers that are looking to to buy new homes at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how it it translates through. I think it's just hard for economists outside of the numbers to estimate that psychological impact.
0: Yeah, definitely worth a watch. I think there's reason to be positive considering where the prime age worker and consumer is at this point though.
1: There was some interesting insider trading charges brought last week, Sean. Yes, yeah,
0: so this could be a borderline uncorrelated topic how absolutely ridiculous it is
1: almost like a movie (laughs) the way this reads um so a a british billionaire so british billionaire joe lewis um, was charged in the southern district of new york with insider trading Um, the u.s attorney damian williams said joe lewis abused his access to corporate boardrooms and repeatedly provided inside information to his romantic partners, his personal assistants, his friends, and his pilots. So basically, if you were in his orbit, he passed along inside information to you. He was
0: feeding you stock tips.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Funnier in an ironic way. um, Excerpts from the charges was regarding his pilots. Um, He had passed along stock tips to them. One of the pilots was relaying these to his friends and had said, All conversations on app is encrypted, so all good. No one can ever see.
0: (laughs) Turns out that wasn't true. That's how you end up in a Matt Levine blog on Bloomberg. (laughs) It's text like that. People saw, but Joe Lewis had led his pilots $500,000
1: to invest in the stocks that he knew and had insider information on. Again, in a message to friends that the boss lent him and the other pilot $500,000 each. He thought the boss had inside information and knew the outcome. Otherwise, why would he make us invest? (laughs) You
0: can't really get more cut and dry than that.
1: (laughs) Pretty much just laying out the case for uh, the SEC and the attorney's office. I think you had brought up a good point earlier. For the dollars at play here relative to his wealth, he could have just gifted them the
0: money. Yeah, so Joe Lewis is worth $6.2 billion. He owns a Premier League soccer team. He's on several boards, uh, leads an investment group, which uh, they talk about in it. He lent his personal pilots $500,000 to make these trades that he gave them tips on. If he had just gifted them $500,000 cash, out of his $6.2 billion net worth, that amounts to 0.0081% of his net worth. For the median US household, that amount of net worth is about $9.82. So we're talking for, for a man who's worth six point two billion. He was doing this a lot in lieu of paying these people. Why not just pay the people cash? Like I don't know if this is just a a good example of like greed knows like no limit. Like it, you can be worth an infinite amount of money and still be greedy with it because it just makes no it makes no sense. It's like so it's like a random person throwing ten dollars down on, on on a table after a meal. Just give them five hundred thousand dollars if you really want them to to have more money. Yeah. I uh, no argument here. He's probably gonna end up spending more on attorneys'
1: fees than if he just gifted them the money.
0: Yeah, I mean, paid him more. It's it's absolutely crazy. He's 86 years old, six point two billion dollars. You're never gonna spend that down. I don't I don't know. Or you just maybe it's just you think at that point you're that far above the law. Like you, you're just like who cares? Like whatever. <laughs> maybe in
1: his mind it was such a tiny amount.
0: Yeah, right. That could be it too. That
1: it wouldn't like whip on anyone's radar. Yeah.
0: Also good practice just in general, if you're someone with insider information, don't go around telling everyone you ever meet like <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> what stocks to buy and sell. Pretty, pretty easy way to get popped, especially if you're a top 500 richest person in the world.
1: <laughs>
0: Generally insider information stories are the ones that get a lot of airtime. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. If, and if uh, we mentioned it earlier, if you haven't read it, this is a lot of information we're getting from Matt Levine's daily blog on Bloomberg. Probably the best finance blogger out there, but this especially is a great piece to read. A lot of good nuggets in there. and yeah, the, the title of the piece is Don't Tip Your Your Private Pilot. So yeah. <laughs> I guess
1: you could tip them, just not with inside, inside information. information. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a, a bit of news yesterday, Sean. Your your Birkenstock company is going public. It is. Eight billion dollar IPO expected in September. Yes, I would call them fancy Crocs, which ah. is publicly traded and has a market cap of a little under seven billion. Yeah, that
0: one hurt the brain a little bit. Seven billion for Crocs, but maybe maybe fancy, maybe like hippie Crocs. Yeah, we were looking on the website a little yesterday after we read the IPO story.
1: I can't get myself to wearing strapped sandals, probably <laughs> with
0: socks. But I think it's definitely one of those unique. Uh, kind of consumer products, maybe like a Crocs, where it has great loyalty. Like people who like the product really like the product. And every time their shoe or Croc wears out, they're going to just go buy a new one. And that's like such a superpower for a company like that. That's how you get kind of a silly sandal company being worth seven, $8 billion. Yeah. Wait, Wait to see what happens in IPO. So here's another
1: story about... Maybe indicating consumer is still strong. I can't imagine seeing this during a recession, so probably a good indicator we're not in one. Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton Eli Manning, is an incoming freshman quarterback at Texas. Yep. Hasn't played a game yet. Nope. He is capitalizing on his name, image, and likeness rights, and he sold his first trading card at auction For over $100,000. It's yet to appear in a game.
0: Ridiculous. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be a backup quarterback to start the year, at least. We're paying $100,000 for his trading card.
1: This ESPN article says the highest selling card on that company's website was a Luka card that sold for $100,000. Luka Doncic? Yes. You know, the nice thing about it is uh, the sales do benefit uh, Central Texas Nonprofit, St. David's Healthcare and St. David's Foundation.
0: Oh, yeah. There's something. a one
1: silver lining from it, but it's a lot of money to spend on a card player who has never played.
0: Yeah, it's a 17 or 18-year-old who is a freshman in college. He's spending $100,000 kind of betting he's going to be a legendary player. It's
1: a Good way for him to capitalize on his name.
0: Yeah, I, I'd say good for, more than anything, good for Arch. And I guess if this other person is so rich that they can throw 100000 at this, I don't know, maybe, I think you call it a lottery ticket. Maybe it's an expensive lottery ticket for them.
1: Yeah, but. not to segue too much, but Mega Millions is tonight.
0: That's so right. We've talked more about the lottery over the past few
1: weeks than I think we've talked about over the past few years. It really
0: snuck up, didn't it? I think it was both of the the jackpots hitting at once was was pretty nuts. But yeah, we have to dip the toe tonight. <laughs> yeah, I had looked it up the other night. I think there's only something like
1: two thousand six hundred and forty billionaires. Okay, and if the Mega Millions tonight's a little over a billion, if you take the annuity option. I think most
0: people would take the cash.
1: Just imagine, no, no skill, just pure <laughs> luck.
0: <laughs> it is hard to fathom. It is hard to to wrap your head around. Someone at some point is going to have life changing money like that. Probably, really, you said probably too much. Yeah, probably become way one of the richest much.
1: people in the world just from the lottery. Hey, <laughs> I think mean, you you had said that you never hear of lottery winners amplifying that wealth that they win like there's more stories that go the other way people losing wealth no one's won a jackpot and then invested that wisely in either public or private companies and turned that 500 million cash prize into 10 billion
0: maybe maybe if you win tonight you can be the first
1: so some interesting on correlated stories this week both food promotion related the first one comes from subway and they are offering free sandwiches for life, life, quote, unquote, if you for someone that enters a contest um, to legally change their name, first name to Subway.
0: Hate everything about this.
1: I can't imagine changing my name to Subway.
0: Uh, let alone like your your prize is Subway sandwiches. <laughs> like, like,
1: <laughs> and, and the the lifetime free lifetime sandwiches comes with a bit of an asterisk.
0: Yeah, it's the if you actually read the terms and conditions, it's fifty thousand dollars of Subway gift cards, which feels like you probably would run through that within a life. Yeah, we were looking on the
1: website yesterday, pairing for this. What's a subway sandwich cost? Some of their
0: sandwiches push into the high teens. Yeah, it was sickening, was was oh, crazy. It was, it was shocking. Adam, who is paying $18 for a Subway sandwich. Not me. It's crazy. I can tell you that. You can get great, at least in the Northeast or around us, you can get great hoagies for 10, 12 bucks. And it's like actual real food. <laughs> we, so, could,
1: we could probably just walk outside our office store right now and walk to any and you're get a number of restaurants around here. You're going to get a better product. For, for much
0: cheaper. It's crazy. Or at least as much. Worst case scenario, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's still better than last last year. They ran this promotion, and the winner had to get it was almost pretty much half a half back tattoo of the Subway series logo for the same prize. It feels much worse to me than changing your name. Mm-hmm. I, like you change your name, like everyone's still going to call you Adam. But if you get a tattoo, you're living with that bright neon green and, and yellow subway logo the rest of your life i don't know Unless, let we forget it's fifty thousand dollars in subway gift cards which i don't know depending on what you think a subway sandwich is the the, the true dollar value of that is much less but <laughs> well, if you legally 50, change 000. your first name to subway
1: you have to become a spokesman for subway right i'd imagine they're evaluating this as part of the contest to see who they want to award this fifty thousand to maybe i don't know and that would maybe make it worth it I guess, but just imagine how goofy it'll be if you call somewhere, I don't know, and you have to give your legal first name, and then you say Subway, the person will be like, "Come on, like, what's your real name?" Yeah, or like, question the judgment of your parents growing up. The real names, you Subway. Yeah, no. At least if you got the back tattoo, you could cover it up. Wear a shirt.
0: Yeah. No one knows. I guess. I guess it's just a Subway issue. I'm, I'm, I'm not about it.
1: It felt like Subway was popular in the 90s, Sean. Yeah. It did the V cut in the top of the bread.
0: Yeah. You're, you tell me about that. That was, I was new it's to It's goofy me. looking. It was new. Yeah. But fun fact at, uh, on my college campus, we had the busiest subway on earth. Oh, yeah. The most foot traffic of any subway in the world. It's like one of the very few dining options on, on campus. Interesting. Begrudgingly ate many Subway <laughs> turkey clubs in that student center, but, the next story comes from skittles
1: i feel like that's a uh, somewhat beloved candy yeah right yeah august 5th is national mustard day who knew that was a thing um and the candy brand partnered with french's to make the first ever mustard flavored skittle hmm. um, you can't buy it in stores though but you can get it through french's mustard mobile that is stopping in three u.s cities atlanta which was yesterday the thirty first, Washington, which will be tomorrow, August second, and New York on August fifth. Or you can enter an online sweepstakes for a chance to win. I am out on the mustard Skittle. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> not not for me. It seems like this is a like a French's thing where they make like weird food combinations with their mustard. They've done mustard flavored donuts and mustard ice cream in the past. Oh, it sound awful by the <laughs> way. Well sound terrible. I don't know. they got us talking about it, right? Like when else would I be talking about French's mustard, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah it worked a weird a weird ploy okay let's let's see how many beloved foods our condiment pairs terribly with, <laughs> and then pass it out to people.
1: Yeah, I wonder what the mustard mobile looks like. Do you remember the Oscar Mayer wiener oh, like of mobile that used to drive of around?
0: Maybe the two of them could. That's like a natural collaboration right there. I would hope it's like a like a bottle of mustard, like a sideways bottle of mustard. Yeah, it has to be. Anything less would be disappointing. Oh, maybe after this, we'll have to Google it and see what it looks like. Yeah, and if it's not already, then French you're welcome. Yes, but it just idea. it looks like classic yellow. It's the flavor of the. Skill. Yeah, that's the biggest issue. Your your spicy brown guy? Yeah,
1: maybe if it was spicy brown. Spicy spicy brown as well. That might not be terrible. Who knows?
0: Maybe I try it at least. (laughs) (laughs) Parting thoughts, Sean? So it'll be interesting to see how earnings season continues to progress. So far, so good. A little more than halfway through. Like you said, we have to wait until September for the Fed, which six, seven weeks in this post-COVID economy is five to six years in the pre-COVID economy. It feels like it's a ways away. So a lot can happen in that time. It'll be interesting to see see where we're at at that point. Yeah, we have, the Fed has a Jackson Hole meeting, their
1: annual Jackson Hole meeting in August coming up. So I'm sure market will be listening intently to any hints of um, Fed thought process
0: coming from that. I think that was one of the worst days of the year last year, if I remember correctly, right? It was not a good day. We went from like, was that the day we went? We're up. Like two and a half or three percent, and then closed down four. Yeah, it, it was one of the, was the biggest, biggest intraday declines we'd ever seen.
1: It almost felt like J-PAL was angry during that press conference. That was a sad day. It's yes, like day. it was almost like a dad lecturing a child <laughs> that you are not understanding what I'm saying. I'm telling you, rates, we're going to keep raising.
0: That was one of the day, the one of the days of 2022 that stuck with you. Like I still vividly remember that day having like a, a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Just then that intraday
1: whipsaw, I think a statement came out, rallied, then as he spoke, it just got worse. Yeah.
0: So here's to hoping this year will be will be a better meeting. Here's hoping.
1: You had asked the question earlier. One of the things that we we're talking about is good news. Good news, finally. Good news. So that was an interesting question. If the market is really starting to trade on this narrative of soft landing, that the Fed's just about done the cycle one way or the other, and... Most people seem to be expecting some type of soft landing. Now, it's definitely a narrative we hear every day. The market's going to be paying attention to this is data, data coming in weaker than we expect. Any hint of signs of fracture in the labor market, anything like that, could really start to impact stock pricing at this point. So one of the things we'll have to keep watching. Definitely. But until then, see you next week.
0: See you next week.